I'm uh, old enough that when I was a kid, uh, I used to get up on Saturday mornings, and I used to watch, this was before ESPN days. How many remember that? Come on. How many remember then what we did? I would get up on Saturday mornings to watch the wide world of sports. Does anybody remember that? And every single one that raised their hand, remember the intro, right? You know it. it the film clips, and it was the thrill of victory and the act. See? <laughs> and remember the guy coming down the ski slopes and wiping out? And uh, I thought, you know what? That's what I'm going to start with. Because how many know, especially in the last seven months, but how many have lived long enough and you have journeyed with Christ long enough to know that just because you're a Christian, <laughs> there's still going to be the thrill of victory? Anybody here had some thrills of victory? Come on, everybody. If you're sitting by your spouse, you ought to amen right now and say, he's talking about you, babe. I'm trying to help marriages. I really am, all right? And there you go. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and, 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 but we also, believers or non-believers, we still have the agony of defeat. Jesus warned us. He said that storms are going to come on the just and the unjust, right? Storms are coming. Uh, storms are coming on. Whether you got a, a Christian bumper sticker on your car or not, storms are going to come. And we're all living through some of those stormy times right now. But I want to, I want to remind you that in the agony of defeat, and maybe you that are watching online, you're in the middle of the agony of defeat. Maybe you are haunted by the memories of that time you wiped out or that time you had a failure. And maybe even those of you that are sitting in this room, man, there's still that, ooh, don't talk too much about that thing or don't remind me too much about that time when I, I really had my hopes and it didn't end up the way. <laughs> Does any, has anybody here ever hoped for one thing and got something totally to do? And it was like, you didn't wipe out on the ski slope, but it was definitely the agony of defeat. And I just want to remind you today that in God's economy, that, that, that even though you've had the agony of defeat, you're still a winner. And that what the devil meant for bad, God will turn it around and he'll make it good. Right, everybody? And, and you can leverage that pain to really help put you in your purpose. And let me say it another way. You can still win in the middle of your weakness. You're st just because you had one defeat doesn't make you a failure. You're still a winner in the eyes of God. Can I get an amen in here tonight, right? And, uh, and the Bible is full of examples of those that are competing in this thing called life. And, and they've had just as many thrills of victory. We like to preach about the thrills of victory. But how many of you know all of what the Bible calls the heroes? Huh, they've all had the agony of defeat too. And I think that's one of the things I love about the Bible that I, I respect and feel honored about the Bible so much because it, it, it's, the heroes in the Bible are different than the heroes we set up in life. It, it, it's different than, the, dare I say, the politicians that try to hide the agonies of defeat. Come on. Or the heroes that we make that try to hide the agonies of defeat. What I love about the Bible is God chooses to make the heroes that we have. He puts the agony of defeat right on the front page. And I like that he doesn't hide it. Because I think if Elijah could go through that, and Elijah could be lonely in a cave, and David, if David could get it, if Peter... Man, all of a sudden, I feel like, wait a minute, there's still a chance for me to have the thrill of victory, even though I'm experiencing, come on, the agony of defeat. Right, everybody? 
And so uh, I want to take you just a couple of little verses today. And if you really want the most out of this message, uh, I would challenge you to go backwards and read the previous chapter. And I'm going to take you and look at Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1, 2, and maybe 3 if we get there. But but, but really, those verses really hinge on the entirety of Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11, if you are not familiar with it, it's kind of a walk through the hall of fame of Christianity. It's like the heroes, it's the faith hall of fame, if you would. And and it talks about because of faith, Moses did this. And because of faith, Abraham did this. And it gets through this whole litany of these great, amazing people that we see did incredible things. And then we, we got that picture in our mind. And he takes us to Hebrews chapter number 12. Let's check it out together. Here's what it says. In chapter number 12, verse number 1, it says, Therefore. Now, the therefore is there for a reason, all right? It's there for this. It's there to remind you that we just talked about all these great heroes, all these great men and women that by faith did absolutely incredible things. And so it says, Now, with that picture in your mind, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Now, I took this verse one time, and I preached a whole series, and I'm going to resurrect the series because i got some new characters to add to it, but I, but I preached a series called The Amazing Race. Some of you might remember that. If you don't, and you've been around here long enough, at least nod and act like you remember it. And, and, and I talked about The Amazing Race, and, but today I just want to give an overview. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I think that's all I got right there. Um, But but one of the purposes of the book of Hebrews is encouragement. How many wouldn't mind a little encouragement? You might not need it right now, but hold on to this because you're going to need it someday, somewhere. And uh, encouragement, the Bible word for encouragement is the word exhortation. But if you read the book of Hebrews, uh, what you will see often is this little phrase, uh, this little phrase, two words, let us. In other words, it's Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is reminding us, come on, that we're not in this thing all by ourselves. Aren't you glad that especially during a pandemic and when we can't physically gather, or at least in the beginning days, aren't you glad to at least have the knowledge that I'm not in this all by myself? I can get some people praying with me. I can get on, if I have to, I can get on a Zoom call. I love Hebrews because he says, let us. It doesn't say, I have to struggle through this by myself. It says, let us get through this thing together. And if you read Hebrews 12 particularly, you'll see some little phrases like, let us lay aside, and, and, and let us run the race, and, and, and let us leave the elementary things of, 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 of the world. Let us reminds us that we're not alone. I don't know about you, but I'm glad we're not alone. I'm not only glad that I'm not alone, but I got the family of God. I'm glad that Radius isn't alone, that there's a capital C church, right, everybody? I'm telling you, during COVID, once a week, I would gather on Zoom calls with pastor friends of mine from across the nation, and I'd say, man, what are you guys doing? What is your challenge? How are you getting through this? It's wonderful in the family of God to know that you don't have to fight any devil all by yourself. Come on, that we got each other's back. 
And I love this. I, I love because this chapter starts with, to me, this, this chapter starts with almost the wide world of sports. It's telling us there's the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. But there's a whole bunch of people that ran the race way before we even got to the race. I, I love this because it gives me this word picture of all the Bible heroes sitting in the grandstands while I'm living my life. I, I mean, if you could picture, we're running this race. We're, 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 we're fighting the good fight. We're going through this thing called life, everybody. And how many know sometimes life feels uphill and sometimes it feels downhill? And sometimes we blow out our sneakers. How many know what I'm saying, right? And, and we're in this thing called life. But I love the word picture of Hebrews 12.1 because it, it gives me the picture that all of those that have already run the race, all of those that have gone before us, they're sitting in the grandstands and they're cheering for us. I don't know about you, but I get, I get encouraged. I get strength when I think about Peter rooting me on. When I think about them and the thrills of victory and the agony of defeats, and they can say, I know you're going through something, but let me cheer you on. Come on, everybody. Right? And so usually I pull out uh, three things, but today I figured since you're the extra spiritual group, I'm going to pull out four things. Can you handle four? Can you handle four? Come on, everybody. All right, here we go. These are real simple. If you're looking for something very profound I was going to say come back next week, but you just might have the wrong church is all I got to say, all right? Um, let me just give you some things. And, and I wanted these to just be simple reminders. I don't know that tonight is the night that you're going to have these light bulb. Wow, I never thought about that. My prayer has been all week is that you would come tonight and you would just be reminded of things that you already know. But every once in a while in the dark times of life, we need to be reminded of what we've seen in the light times of life. And so let me dive into them. First thing I'd like to talk to you about out of this portion of Scripture is I want to talk about our encouragements. As we've already stated, I think all of us need to be encouraged sometimes. Even, hey, hey, everybody, here's a clue. Even the person in your life that doesn't look like they need encouragement, even that person that seems like they're always upbeat, come on now, everybody needs a little encouragement sometimes. And so I want to encourage you to be encouragers because we always reap what we sow. And I think one of the best ways that we can get encouragement is by encouraging one another. But I want to talk about our encouragements because Hebrews chapter number 11 is the list of those that made it. They, they've made it. They, they've arrived. And when you look at their lives, there's some major mess-ups in Hebrews chapter number 11. I mean, if you, would have, if you would have not read Hebrews 11 and just found them somewhere else in the pages of history, you would have thought, how in the world did they ever make it to the pages of Scripture? These are supposed to be our models? If you had never found Hebrews 11, you might have got stuck reading them in one part of their story. Ah, how many of you know there is people that have made the mistake that they've got to meet you at one season of your life and they judged who you were in that season of your life, but they ought to come back and see who you are now because where you were was not who, where you had to stay. Right, everybody? Right? And, and, and so they've already run the race. So here's what I love about it. So every time you get 
you know what, let me not pick on you. I'll pick on me, right? So, so every, time, every time I get tired, I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 12. Every time I feel like giving up, every time I feel alone, every time I feel like I can't endure, every time I feel discouraged, every time the enemy tries to play my failures on me, every time, come on, I feel the agony of defeat. Have you ever felt any one of those things? I want you to hear the voices of those in the grandstands that were made of the same flesh and blood and have the same spirit living inside of them, and they ran their race. I want you to hear, I want you to hear Abel shouting at you. I want you to hear Abel saying, keep on giving your best no matter what. I want you to hear Moses saying, you might feel inadequate, but you can make it. I want you to hear Job say, you may have lost everything, but keep on running the race. I want you to hear Gideon say, you may feel like you're outnumbered. You may feel like the weakest Christian there is, but I want you to keep on running because you're going to win your race. I want you to hear those in the grandstands. Come on, maybe David's up there and he's shouting for you. He's got a big rubber number one glued to his hand. And David is saying, you may be guilty of something. You might be guilty of murder. You may be guilty of those things that you don't want anybody to talk about. You might be guilty, David, of adultery. But David would say, don't let your mess-ups be bigger than his grace. Run under his forgiveness and run under his grace. Come on now. I want you to hear Joseph up there saying, you might have been betrayed, you might have been lied about, somebody might have posted something nasty about you on Facebook, and you were treated unfair, and you were overlooked, and you were lied about, and your reputation has been drugged through the mud, but Joseph is cheering for you saying that, that, that none of those problems, none of those lies are bigger than God's truth on your life. I want you to hear Rahab. Anybody know Rahab? Come on, she had a background, everybody. She came from the red light district. How many know what I'm talking about, all right? But Rahab becomes the great-great-grandmother of Jesus. Rahab would say to us, so you got a bad reputation. So you did something bad, and everybody knows what you did. Rahab would say, I can relate to that, but I just want you to run. Run like the wind. Come on, everybody. I want you to hear Peter shouting at you on the days you're discouraged. He denied Christ. He cussed that he even knew. He was afraid of a little girl. Not that you're ever afraid of anything. But Peter would say, hmm, get back in the race. Run the race. You're going to win this race. I'd like you to hear from Abraham that would say you're never too old. I'd like you to hear from Timothy that would say you're never too young. I'd like you to hear from the heroes that say it's never too late for God to use you. God is always right on time. I'd like you to hear Paul say, I was the worst sinner of all time, but keep on running. I'd like you to hear Enoch saying, you're one step away from your greatest day. I'd like you to see, hear Noah saying to you, there is no disaster that could ever stop you. Get in the race and run the race. Get encouraged by these men and women of God. They're cheering for us. That's what Hebrews 12 1 says. They're cheering for us. Come on. Man, you know, if you could sit down and have coffee with David, how many know you would be encouraged? Guess what? You can. Here's how you do it. And David will begin to cheer for you. And David will begin to tell you, man, you want to talk about a mess up. They'll, they'll begin to speak to you in your lives. 
And, and every time you feel challenged, and every time you have a setback, let me just take a survey to make sure I'm talking to the right people, because perfect people make me break out in hives. <laughs> well, I got any people here that, that ever face any challenges? Keep your hands up for a minute. I want to see if I can get 100%. Do, do we have any people in here that, that, that have ever had recently a setback? Do, do we have anybody that wrestles with a weakness? Does it, do we have anybody that struggles with chocolate cake? No, you don't have to raise your hand. Up. All right, yeah. I'm just making sure you're paying attention, all right? I know some of you, never mind, never mind. I'm, just, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I want you to hear Abel say, you can give sacrificially. I did. I want you to hear Abraham. I want you to hear him say, I want you to obey, not even knowing what the next step was. I want you to hear Rahab saying, you can overcome your past. And God will use your past to be one of the brightest lights. Oh, some of you, listen to me. Some of you that have the worst past have the greatest testimony. Some of you that have the biggest pain have the biggest praise. Some of you that have the biggest weakness. Come on. You know what I'm trying to say? Your misery can be turned into your ministry. And if they would say all that, could you just at least hear your bald-headed preacher saying, and you can win in the middle of a weakness. You're not, you, nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to have it all together. Nowhere does God demand that we have it all together and you be strong all the time. Because how many know your strength will wear out? Your emotions will wear out. Somebody will get on your last nerve. You better say amen right there. Somebody's standing on that nerve right now. Right? And I need to be able to know that when I am weak, he is strong. Oh, my. I said when I'm weak, because I don't want to admit this to you, but I'm just going to go. I'm weak more often than I'd like to admit. Mm -hmm. I, when I show up here, I, I'm doing my best to be strong. But can I tell you where these messages come from? They come from a place when I'm feeling weak. On Monday morning, when I don't have people cheering and high-fiving and, and, and praying and encouraging, there's a Monday morning that I sit down and these messages pour out of my weaknesses. Come on, everybody. I want you to know that you can win in the middle of your weakness because He is strong when we are weak. Somebody give Him praise tonight. Number two is not only our encouragements, but I want to talk to you about our enablements. What enables me? Did you know that not every race allows the competitor to see the finish line? What do you do in life when you can't see the end? What do you do when you're running as hard as you can, and I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel? What do you, well, well, I've preached on marriage before and had a guy come back a week later and said, I treated my wife good all week and nothing's changed. Really? You ran for one stinking week and you want a miracle now? You have jacked that marriage up for 15 years. Come on, what do you do when you're straining and you're running and you're praying all the prayers and you're reading your devotions and you're, in, and you're seeking God, but you still don't see the finish line? And what I mean by that, how am I ever going to make my way? When does it end, God? Don't look at me like you haven't asked that question in the last seven months. When does it end? When will COVID, when will we get back to normal? When can I come to church without looking like a bank robber? <laughs> and sometimes in life we just can't see the finish line. I think maybe 
Hebrews 12 encourages me. Keep on running when I don't feel like it. Can, can, can you keep running when you don't see the results? Can you keep praying when you don't hear the answers? Can, can you keep praising when all hell is breaking loose all around you? Can you run when you don't see the finish line? Hebrews 12 just told us to keep our eyes on Jesus. And, and since I'm using sports analogies tonight, it's kind of like synchronized rowing. <laughs> synchronized rowing. And I want to know, I, look, I Googled this. I've never done this. Anybody ever done this here? I know we got the Yonkers that your, your husband Mike was in the Olympics doing this. I like this job. See that? Who's this guy? Ken Hubbard. He, he's important though. The synchronized rowing, they, they have their backs to the finish line. Have you ever felt like you had your back to the finish line? I don't know when this is going to get over, but I'm just going to keep on keeping on. Huh? You know what? I read about this guy, and I read, watch this, he starts the race for him, and he tells him when the race is over. Sounds kind of like something I read in my Bible one time. He's the author and the finisher. It sounds like something we're going to read about in Hebrews that says he's, he's, he's the beginning and he's the end. He, he who began a good work in us will finish it. Come on, everybody. Right? He started the thing and he'll end the thing. And, 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 and so this guy sits here. He used to sit with a megaphone. Now they have more technology than that. And he says, go. And he says, keep on going until I tell you to stop. Just keep on trucking. Keep on. <laughs> For me, I feel like sometimes as a pastor, I'm a, I'm a bus driver. And I just drive the bus. And, and there's places that people get on the bus. And there's places people get off the bus. And there's people that say that when they get off, they ooh, pastor, I love the way you drive that bus. Thank you very much. There's other people that cuss you out when they get off the bus. Right? But God didn't call me about any of that. God told me to just keep on driving the bus. Because people will get on the bus. and Let me say it another way. People will get on your bandwagon and people will get off your bandwagon. But you just got to keep on keeping on, right? And, and here's one of the things I like about this. It, can you see the picture there? This, this guy has a good view of him. But this guy's pretty big. I don't know. Somewhere down the line, one of these guys, I don't know what he's doing. But somewhere down the line, he can't see him. Can you keep on going when you can't see the results? Watch this, watch this. He can't see them, but he can hear them. And last time I checked, faith comes by. We might not see it, but faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the coach pull out the orders. 
Hearing the coach encourage. Hearing the coach enable. Hearing the coach say, keep on rowing. Hearing the co- and that's where trust comes in. When I just keep on straining, even though I don't know how far we got to go doing this. I, I don't know how many more times I got to pray. I don't know how many times I got to stand myself back up. I don't know how many times I got to try again. I don't know how many times I got to dream again. But I'm going to keep on going because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Right, everybody? Now, let's take you to verse number 12. Or, or, yeah, verse number 12. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The guy with the megaphone. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the pioneer and the perfecter. Some translation says the author and the finisher. Aren't you glad he's both? It'd be terrible if he just started your race and you're just still rowing. <laughs> no, no. But he says, I'll complete it. I'll see it through to completion. I'll be there at the starting line, I'll be there in the rough waters, and I'll be there at the finish line. I'm alpha, watch this, and I'm omega. In other words, I'm the beginning and the end. But you know what I like? He's the middle also. He's A and he's Z, but he's also L-M-N-O-P. Come on, somebody, right? He's, because most of life is right in the middle of the lake, right in the middle of the storm, right in the middle of things, right? Huh? the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right throne of God. Ooh, I love that. Sometimes we just got to keep our eyes on the goal. You know, during COVID, I said I talked to a lot of pastors during COVID, and I've seen some pastors that I respect a lot, and this is at in no way throwing a stone because there was no playbook on this thing. And, and I've seen some pastors making total, major, mega changes in their ministry approach. And I remember us meeting with our team and said, no, no, our goal is not going to change. We, we might have to pivot a little bit, but our goal is not going to change. We're going to keep our eye on the thing that God called us to do. And what God called us to do was help everybody that would show up and get on this journey with us just take one step. And if we could just keep you on the journey, and, and every time we gather, you just make one step. Come on, everybody. The steps might look different. The, the steps might not be quite as exciting as they once were. Come on now. The, the, the steps might be harder. They might be a little more boring. They might be whatever you want to call them. But we decided during COVID we weren't going to change We were going to fix our goal, and the goal was always going to be, let's get people one step closer. Come on, if we could just keep you, if we could Zoom call with the life group, we'd just get you one step closer. If if i got to preach to an empty room, just to a camera, we're just going to get you one step closer. Come on, if you got to wear a mask, we're going to get you one step closer. And, and, And eventually, seven months later, in the middle of a pandemic, you might not be where you want to be, but thank God you're no longer where you used to be. Come on now. Because if you let a crisis stop you, you will always be stopped. Because there's always a crisis. Has anybody lived long enough to figure that one out? There's always a crisis. It's a joke around our house. Me and Jake always say, why must there always be a problem? Because the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you, and He has anointed you to solve problems, to be the light in the midst of darkness. Translation, problems. Yeah. And, and, and so don't let crisis, don't let failures, don't let emergencies, don't let pandemics, 
Don't let politics. Don't let, don't let anything. They could be good things. But don't let those things get your eyes off Jesus. I remember the story of Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister was the, the first guy that broke the four-minute mile. And, uh, and, and this guy from Australia challenged him in just a foot race, just a one-on-one. They call it a challenge race. Against Roger Bannister. I mean, the guy must have been messed up in the head or something. But he challenged Roger Bannister to a race. And the guy from Australia, he's beating him through the whole race. They make the last turn and got the last hundred yards in front of him. And the guy's winning. And by all measures, he should have won. But as he turned the last corner, he looked over his shoulder. And Roger went by. Swing! You know what he did? You know. He's got his eyes off the goal. And the enemy's just waiting for that little minute. That you look at the news more than you look at the Word of God. (laughs) You signed up to come. (laughs) That you talk more about the pandemic than you praise a God who sent his son Jesus to die. Come on, somebody. He's waiting for that one little moment that you get your eyes. Now, I stand up here almost every week and tell you all my mess-ups. So let me tell you something that I did okay. I prayed my entire life since the time I was five years old that God would give me a family. I never knew that it wouldn't be until I was an adult and met my wife that God would finally answer that prayer. And I can tell you, out of all my mess-ups, the one thing I think I did halfway good is I kept my eyes on that goal. I've had some pastor friends that have rose to prominence, and and, and if I called their name, you would say, oh, you know them, and they've rose to fame, and I wouldn't disrespect, but but some of them, they had their eyes fixed on that, and they've lost their family, and their kids hate God, and they hate the church, but because I wanted it so bad, I kept my eyes on my wife, I kept my eyes on our marriage. I'm still madly in love with her. I'm more in love with her now than I was 33 years ago when we got married. I I made her a priority. I made my kids a priority. Come on. And they're all here and they love God and they're serving God and they love you and they love the church. you got to keep your eye on the prize, everybody. Come on. Are you hearing that today? I know know that I've told the story a bunch of times, but I'm going to tell it again just in case you missed it. If you've heard it two or three or four or five times, then you can tune me out for four minutes. I was on a board with Dr. Bill Bright, and I had just gone there on a Monday. I got home on a Wednesday. He called me and asked me, he said, hey, Ken, I know you just got home. Could you come back down to Orlando? We have something special going. Now, Bill Bright is who I was with in his uh, house when the President of the United States called in, and we had prayer with him. So Bill Bright had some leverage, okay, is what I'm trying to get at. And this was right before the Passion of the Christ was released. He said, we just had a development that Mel Gibson is coming into town, and and we're going to spend an evening at my house, and we're going to preview the Passion of the Christ before it's released to the public, and we're going to get statements from, there was going to be about 10 other pastors. He said, we'd love you to come on and be a part of that. And I'll never forget, I'm telling you, it's hard to tell Dr. Bill Bright no. It's like saying no to Billy Graham. You know what I'm saying? And, and I said, Dr. Bright, I appreciate it, but 
I can't be there. You see, Friday night was our family night. And for all my kids growing up years, Friday night was our time when the phone didn't ring, when we rented a movie, we got blankets on the couch, we got some junk food out, gummy bears and popcorn. <laughs> and we cuddled and we talked and we laughed, we prayed, we cried. And I said, Dr. Bright, I can't be there. See, because I had already missed a Friday night a couple weeks prior. And you know what? I could have had a real exciting story to tell you about when I watched a movie with Mel Gibson. But you know what? Mel Gibson wouldn't remember me. He wouldn't spit on me if I was on fire. How many know what I'm talking about, right? But I got a couple of people here right now that are way more important than Mel Gibson. The devil will always try to throw things to get your eyes off the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. Come on, everybody. Number three. Number three is let me talk to you about our entanglements now. Our entang if we're going to run to win, we're going to have to set some things down. One of the things that I think the first days of COVID did for us that we might not have taken advantage of as I don't know about you, but it made me put on the emergency brake and say, hold on a second. Why am I going so fast? And what things do I need to reprioritize that I'm trying to do? I think if we're going to ever cross that finish line and accomplish what God designed each one of us individually to accomplish, you're going to have to say no to some things so you can say yes to some other things. This verse says to lay aside every weight that entangles us. I don't have time to preach these, but I'm going to give you these four questions just to prime the pump. You, you can make your, your own four questions. But, but here's four questions to help you determine if you're being weighed down or not. Okay, here they are. Number one, does it interrupt my spiritual growth? Okay, it doesn't have to be like a sin, but does it interrupt your spiritual growth? Okay, okay I, I just said I wasn't going to preach them. Okay, here, number two, does it bring me under its power? Does it bring me under its power? I don't know. I know we want to um, just jump right on to, like, substance abuse. But how I many you know there's a whole lot of things out there that bring you under its power? I'm not going to give you a list. Here we go. Number three. Does it burden my conscience? Does it, does it, do, when I say that, I'm not talking about shame. I'm talking about just this heaviness. Like, just this, oh, man, it just, it burdens me. I wish, ooh, I wish I hadn't uh, done that, been there. You know what I'm saying? And number, these are just mine. You can steal them or you can come up with your own. Number four, could it block someone else from Jesus? What I'm doing, is it, is it becoming a stumbling block to others? It's at least worth my evaluation. Right, everybody? Mary Decker, I know I'm loaded with sports analogies today, but Mary Decker was poised to win the gold medal in, in, in a marathon race. And just as she was ready to pass and, and she would have won the, the gold, she, her foot clicked the heel of the opponent she was getting ready to pass. And she wiped out and she tripped. One, one newspaper wrote later about her, or excuse me, one biographer wrote uh, later about her that she was probably the greatest female runner that never won a gold medal. And after she fell, they interviewed her and she said, I was right where I wanted to be. And then I tripped. And it was all over. What things in your life is the devil got ready 
to trip you up. Let me tell you what I know. If you ask the Holy Spirit to help you see it, if you ask God to reveal it, search my ways, oh God. Right? He will. See, because Hebrews 12, if we go on a little bit further, we've done verse 1 and verse 2. Now look at verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary. The previous verse said, keep your eyes on Jesus. So, so, so let me just throw something at you real quick right here. I, I, I want to give you just a couple of things that, that might trip you up, and that's wickedness. Keep your eyes on Jesus, because if you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, you get your eyes on other things, right? How many of you, I know none of you have done this, but how many of you know somebody that since this pandemic have really had at least one moment where they've gotten their eyes on something other than Jesus? Let me just see here. You know somebody. Wink, wink. Huh? I know this is going to sound old-fashioned, but... An old hymn writer one time said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his something, glory and grace. But I like this part. He says, you know it, don't you? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The things of earth. The thing, what thing? The problems. The pandemics. The politics. Let's see how many more P words I can come up with. The pain in the necks. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. He said the wickedness. He, so keep your eyes on Jesus. That's how you avoid wickedness. How shall a young man keep his ways pure? The word of God. The psalmist writer tells us. And, and, but I like this. I don't, I don't want to get past this real quick. The weariness. Did, did you see that last one? The weariness. Weariness will entrap you. I, I can tell you straight up. I've gotten weary in the last seven months. Let me say it an, another way that's more truthful and doesn't sound. I've been sick and tired in the last seven months. I've been ready to blow up my TV in the last seven months. Hello, somebody. I know you're more spiritual than I am, but let me just do a little counseling while I'm in front of you here. Because weariness will cause you entanglements in your life. And so that's why you can't, you, you, you can't have an opinion about everything. You can't say yes to everything. You can't do everything. You can't be everywhere. You can't care about every little thing. Come on, everybody. Because the enemy, if he can't get you to sin, he will get you weary because you're trying to do it all. No, do what God's called you to do and say no to the other things. Come on. Let me do the last one. Here we go. It's not even 8 o'clock. Look at me go, everybody. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> you know, I do anything just to get a little encouragement in here. Number four. Number four is I want to talk about our endurance. Oh. See, a lot of people start the race, but I want to know who's going to finish the race. And when I talk about that, I know that as Christians, our mind goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to finish. I'm going to go to heaven. What if for just a minute, that's not what we're talking about? What if the dreams and the hopes and the goals 
that God's put on your heart? What if we had run hard after those? See, when God created us, He put a seed of greatness. He he put something in you. He put a dream. He put a goal. He put potential. What if we decided we were going to keep running the race until we met the purposes that God had and the plans that God had? What if we didn't allow life to beat those plans and purposes out of us and we just kept running our race with endurance? Not just the spiritual race, but the potential, the dreams. I've told this story before too, but many of you know that in 2011, I've been now preaching and in ministry for 34 years, and in 2011, I resigned my church and I almost resigned ministry. Um, I, I was discouraged, I was frustrated, if the truth be told, I was angry, I was sad, and watch this, I was hearing more of the negative voices than the grandstands in Hebrews 12.1. And, and, and I, I was, um, I can say this because not very often in my life has this ever happened, but I was beyond discouraged. I was depressed. And if you've ever really been like depressed, uh, I, I used to talk to people that got depressed and I'd say, well, just snap out of it. But there was no snapping out of it. I, I, I was and I was ready to leave ministry. In fact, I'd been talking about where, where would I go to work and what would I do and all that. And then I remember that God's call is without repentance. And whatever He calls us to do, He enables us to do, whether we feel like it or not. And both of my kids, come on, how many know you reap what you sow? And I'd sown into them, and now I was getting ready to reap from them. And they didn't even know it, but within a two or three day period, both of them said some things to me. It just kind of made me reconsider. And, and one of the things I reconsidered, I thought, I began to think and I began to look at them and I began to think, man, if I quit now, what kind of legacy? I'm not saying they wouldn't love me. I'm not saying that God couldn't redeem it. I'm not saying any of that. But I was at a crossroad. And, and see, I come from a line of quitters. I come from a line of those that run when the going gets tough. And I had determined a long time ago, I was going to break a generational curse, somebody. And this was my defining moment. This was my crossroad moment. This was my moment that I had to decide, am I going to endure or am I going to take the easy way? Am I going to, sometimes doing the right thing isn't necessarily the easy thing. Hello, somebody. And I thought, what kind of legacy am I going to leave? Am I, if, I, if I quit now, am I telling my kids that when the going gets tough, you can bail out? Or if I keep on going, come on, if I just keep on, it doesn't mean I have to be successful in the thing. It means I just have to overcome the thing. Come on now. And maybe I'll send a message to my kids that when the going gets hard, press into Jesus. When the going gets tough, trust in God. When you don't feel like it, take one more step. When, I, when nobody's on my side, take one more step. When you don't feel like it, take one more step. When you can't hear God, take one more step. And you'll eventually have a lifetime of little steps here and there. And you, again, might not be all that you wanted to be. But thank God you are not what you could have been back there. Come on, somebody, right? In 1944... There were three amazing men, 
three amazing preachers that were at the starting line. And if I could just use the symbolism, the gun fired, and they all started their race, metaphorically speaking. Brian Clifford, Chuck Templeton, and Billy Graham. Now, Billy Graham, we probably all have heard of. But them other two guys, I'm not sure. The majority of people, probably nine out of ten people, have never even heard their name. Because Brian Clifford, he filled stadiums. I mean, once they cut the bell ropes at Baylor University because he was in the middle of a sermon and people were mesmerized by the presence of God as he was preaching and they didn't want the bell to interrupt the sermon. Woo, I wish something like that would happen around here. Yet, 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 they, yet in his later years, he fell away from the very faith that he preached. And he died an alcoholic in a cheap hotel all by himself. Chuck Templeton, he, he was called the Babe Ruth of preaching in his day. Up to that point, he had preached to more people in one place than anybody up to that point in, his, in America's history. But he later proclaimed atheism and died, with, and died without Jesus. But Billy Graham, he finished strong. I remember when I was a 23-year-old preacher, I remember reading a statistic that said only one out of every 10 preachers will still be preaching the gospel that start in their 20s will still be preaching the gospel by the time they reach 60. It impacted me big. I literally, I'm not trying to over-dramatize this, I literally fell on my face before God and I said, oh God, please, let me be the one. I want to finish my race, God. I want to finish strong. I want to run with endurance. I don't know what I'm going to face over, the, over my 30s and 40s and 50s. I, I don't know, God. But I want to be one that finishes strong. And I'm closing in on it. <laughs> Some races are faster than you want them to be. I'll close with this story. As you can tell, I'm a sports kind of fanatic, and I love Olympic stories. And many of you will remember the 1996 Olympics with Carrie Strug. Anybody remember her? Man, if that does not epitomize, if it doesn't epitomize, let me set the scene real quick. The, the women's gymnastics team, they were poised for the gold, but none of her teammates did very well. And matter of fact, Carrie didn't do very well. In fact, you'll remember she went and did her first vault and landed. They later she heard something that snap. And they later found out it was a some kind of sprain and torn ligaments. And Carrie had to have a 9.6 for the girls' team, the women's team, to get the gold. Under all kind of pain, she had the kind of determination that every once in a while I got to take a time out in life and say, God. I need that determination. I got to finish, Lord. There will be people I never met that, God, if I'll finish, it'll encourage them. One day, maybe I'll be in the grandstands cheering for others. 
Maybe grandkids or great-grandkids that I never meet will be able to look back and say, man, I heard stories about my grandpa that came out. He didn't get to start where everybody else started, but he finished his race. Come on. I want that kind of determination. I want it for you. I want you to make it in your marriage. I want you to make it in your emotions. I want you to make it in your spiritual life. I want your dream. I want you to go after the gold, everybody. But I'm going to tell you what somebody should have told Carrie Strug is there's going to be pain in getting there. There's going to be the thrill of victory. And there's going to be the agony of defeat. Hey, friends, uh, I am so excited about this year's Legacy Weekend. If you've been a part of Radius for any length of time, you know that we have, uh, we're three years old now. We've never taken an offering, done faith promises or pledges, but once a year we ask you to pray about an offering. And I know we've been in the middle of this pandemic and it's been a weird time, but we really felt like that Legacy Sunday is. It's kind of a sacred time around here. I just really see people's faith elevate, and uh, it enables us to do some pretty dynamic things around the country and in our own backyard right here in our community. And uh, so I'm asking this year, if, if you're still employed, and I guess even if you're not, it's up to you, but I want you to pray about what kind of gift you would give on November 14th. Now, the whole weekend is Legacy uh, Weekend. It's our Friday night service that we've been having. You could bring your offering then. You could bring it Saturday. You could bring it then. Or you could bring it Sunday morning at 10. Um, so it's Friday at 7, Saturday at 6, and then Sunday at 10 a.m. And if you don't feel like coming out um, we totally understand. Now, what we're really hoping for is that on the Saturday, that 14th at 6 o'clock, we're going to fill this place with worship music. Over by the cross, we're going to have self-serve communion and individual packets, so everything's sanitized. We've been sanitizing, professionally sanitizing the building. We'll have it done that weekend. And, and if you want to come and join us for worship, you could stay for the whole time. If you just want to come and drop off your offering, uh, I want to join you right here uh, at the front of the place as people are worshiping. Some will be doing communion. And I just want to join hands with you and pray. And if you don't want to join hands, that's okay also. Uh, I'm good with all of that. Uh, but, but I just I miss being able to pray with you. And then when we get done praying, uh, we have a token, kind of a gift. I, I think it's a pretty substantial gift to commemorate this weekend. We want to put that in your hand, and the gift will make more sense after you hear the message and the, the, for that weekend. And, and I know there's some that for health reasons, you just still don't feel like gathering in bigger spaces. And we totally, totally understand that. So you can still give online, radiuschurch.tv. There's a, there's a spot that says legacy, and I'll mail you the gift. But I'd love the opportunity for us to come together. It's kind of going to be an open house. There's, you know, we're going to start at 6 and just kind of, you know, see if it goes an hour or two. And as long as there's people in line ready to bring their offering and pray, uh, I just want to do that with you. I just feel like there's something significant to that joining together and exercising our faith. So uh, 
some of you I haven't seen in seven months or so, so I'm looking forward to this weekend. I've got my overseers praying, our elders are praying, our trustees are praying. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty significant weekend, so I sure hope I'll see you there. In the meantime, just be asking God, what would he have you to do on Legacy Weekend? God bless. Thanks.